Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Fiona. Good morning. For those who don't know me, my name's Nathan. And uh, this morning we're carrying on our series in Daniel. You might be like, what? Daniel? That wasn't Daniel. No, I know. We'll get there. We will, I promise you. I just want to start with this psalm. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All the people of the earth are his. I was just meditating on this the other day and just thinking, our yet unborn son is the Lord's. He's already his. Our friends, our neighbors, our children They're his. They're his first. Everything, everyone. He founded the seas. Every creature, every mountain, every valley, the weather, the stars, all just his creation, his idea, his planning. And the psalmist gets the idea that this incredible big God is majestic and wonderful. And so he asks this really important question. Who may approach this God? He is incredible. He's majestic. He's glorious. Who can approach him? Is there anyone? And he responds, he answers his own question. Only the one with a completely pure heart, clean hands. Someone who has never once lied. Never once thought badly of someone or been passive to act and defend others. Just to mention a couple of things. In other words... None of us. If that's not clear, none of us. God is completely different from us. He's so good, so pure, so loving and so right in everything he does. He is far greater and far more magnificent than any of us give him credit for. He's not just loving, he is love himself. Everything in this universe exists and is sustained because God allows it. He is the king of glory. The one who deserves all praise. The one who will not share the throne of our hearts with anything or anyone else in our lives. Not our jobs, not our friends or families, not our marriage, not our singleness, not our success, not money, nothing. The king of glory is strong. 
He is mighty. He is powerful. He's stronger than any force of this world. He's stronger than any feeling. He's mighty, able to conquer all things, all people. When he marches into battle, everything facing him gets trampled. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He is outside of time and space. He never had a beginning and will never have an end. He is outside of our time. He created time for our benefit, not for his. Friends, I want us to understand right at the beginning of this morning that he, our God, is completely other. In fact, the Bible uses the word holy, separate, other, beyond our understanding. God is holy. So I'd like us to read Daniel chapter 10. If you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to it? Daniel chapter 10. With that all in mind, we're going to read this chapter. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all during the three, until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Euphas around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. Peter Lavers has already warned me that he might do the same this morning as I speak because he's so tired. (laughs) Strength, Peter, strength. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed. Another version says, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up, trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. 
While he was saying this to me, I bowed my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, you who are treasured by God. He said, peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, do you know why I've come to you? And soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. And then the next two chapters talks more about these visions. And Andrew has the pleasure of looking at those visions next week. Let me pray. Majestic God, we love you. And we worship you. King of glory. Holy God. Magnificent one. Lord, we find it an absolute privilege to be in your presence, to worship you together, to lift your name up, Lord God, to be here in your presence. We say, come and do what you want to do with us this morning, Lord. Come and reveal more to us of who you are and what you've made us to be, what you've called us to be as a church, Lord God. Come and do what you want to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. When I was about six or seven years old, I was, uh, I was in year, what was it, year two. I was in year two, and uh, I was running around in the playground, and I encountered this other boy who was older than me. And uh, he was a year or two older, and he started pushing me around a little bit. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't that fun, if I'm honest. I got shoved to the ground a few times, and... Uh, and I went home, and I, I had this problem. I, was, I, was, I knew that I had this battle going on with this boy who was older than me. And uh, what I did is I spoke to my older brother. And I said, Mark, I've got this problem at school. There's this boy pushing me around. He's like, great, point him out to me. I'll go sort him out. And so the next day, I had no more problems. It was sorted. It was done, dealt with. I never really saw this boy again. <laughs> Not that he left the school or anything. Like, he was still there, but I just didn't encounter him day by day. The reason I tell you this, that story is three things. One, I was in a battle. It wasn't much of a battle, but it was a battle. Secondly, my tool was to tell my brother. And thirdly, my brother was stronger, more powerful than me. And he was more powerful than my enemy. Through this passage, I want to look at three points this morning. One, we are in a spiritual battle. Secondly, our tool in the battle is through prayer. And thirdly, I want to look at the King of glory, who is stronger and more mighty than us and than anything or anyone we face. I wonder if you can picture the scene. Daniel is there, probably in his 80s or so, as Sean said last week or a couple of weeks ago, and he has this revelation, and its message concerned a great war. 
It had such an impact on Daniel that he mourned. He prayed and wept and turned his heart and mind towards God for three weeks. He didn't eat for three weeks. No food, no subway, no kebabs for three weeks. Can you imagine it? No wine, no aftershave, no deodorant. He would smell. Fasting for a period of time can leave you physically weak. You'll find though that through fasting you become phys- uh, sorry, spiritually strong. But physically you can be a bit wobbly. Add to that his now aging body and Daniel is tired and weak. There's a battle that he's facing for his body and his mind, even to stay awake, as we see in verse 9. Daniel's facing a battle, and in this vision, he sees this encounter with this heavenly being reveals a battle as well. One of not just flesh and blood, but one concerning God's people and the nations of the world. But more so one of a spiritual battle going on behind the scenes as well. So firstly then, we are fighting a spiritual battle. Let me just read a couple of verses again. Verses 12 and 13 says, Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. He's talking about a spiritual battle going on for Persia and for the nations. This heavenly being is saying to Daniel that whilst you have been praying and mourning and seeking God in humility and set yourself to understand what God's plan is, I have come to assist in the spiritual battle going on in the Persian kingdom. He's helping out this other heavenly being, Michael, in the battle. And you might read that or hear that and go, what on earth is that all about? What does that mean? Well, friends, we live in a world of both physical and the spiritual. There is an enemy, Satan, the devil and his armies, who are determined to steal, kill, and destroy all in their path. Since creation, when Adam and Eve were first made, the enemy has longed to take down God's creation. Why? Because we're made in God's image, made with his delight over us. We're created as a result of the love and creativity of God. We're his delight. We're precious to him. And so because of that, the enemy wants to take us down because we reflect something of God. He wants to separate us from God, leading us to sin and turn our backs on God, each and every one of us. And even when we choose to follow Jesus, responding to his offer of forgiveness and living a different life, the enemy stays true to his character to steal, kill, and destroy. You might think, well, what are some of his tactics then? What is his tactics to us as Christians? Well, I thought about it like this in three ways. There's more, but... Three ways. Upward. He tries to distract us from enjoying God and worshipping him with our whole lives. He wants to break down our relationship with God. Inward. He tries to stop us being from all that we're made to be. All that God's made us to be. And then 
outward. He tries to make us ineffective as Christians in reaching out to the world, creating disunity between Christians. Friends, we are fighting a spiritual battle. The reason that we're told of this battle is that Daniel, the writer, seems to be teaching us that unseen evil powers battle to influence and control the kingdoms and governments of this world in order to inflict harm and havoc on the people of God. There is what we see on the surface, but then there is this whole unseen arena. An invisible war is going on behind the scenes. That's why Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 to says, pray for the government, pray for those in authority. Perhaps you hear all this and your instant, instant response is one of fear. Friends, we're encouraged later in 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 to fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 1 John 3 verse 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. As we grow in awareness that there is a battle going on all around us for nations and governments, for this town and for people's souls, we look to God to grow in awareness that God is strong, that he is mighty, that what the enemy has to throw at us It's not to be underestimated, but it's also not to be feared, but overcome. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We will face battles in this world. Those who don't accept our faith or the Bible, accept our love we offer through Jesus Battles in our families, battles in our church, battles in our town. And the question arises, well, how do we fight? How do we fight in this battle? If there's a battle going on, tell me, how do we fight? Secondly, then, we battle through prayer. As we understand in Daniel 10 that this spiritual battle is going on behind the scenes, we also understand that Daniel has been involved in affecting it. He didn't just let it all pass him by. It's quite incredible when you think about it. The verses that we looked at before show us that Daniel plays a part in the success and the outcome of the battle for the kingdom of Persia. Because he picked up a sword? No. Because he humbled himself in prayer and in seeking God, as we see in verse 12. Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day... You set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. The angelic being came as a result of the three weeks of praying and mourning and fasting that Daniel had proactively been involved in. It raises the question, when did each of us last pray like that? When did I last pray like that? Have we committed ourselves to seeing change through prayer? And before you hear me wrong, 
I'm not saying that what each of us needs to do is to go and spend the next week, three weeks, praying and fasting and mourning. We need to do. We need to do this. No, this isn't about leaving today and doing this and doing that. No. I want to challenge the question, when did you commit yourself to prayer and say, Lord, I believe I can see change through prayer. I believe you love to answer. I believe you want to change things in this nation, in my town, in my family through prayer. Oh, that each of us would humble our hearts and seek God. That we'd allow him to do what he wants to fully do in us. The length of prayer is not the issue. It's the heart. God's after our hearts that we would battle in prayer. That we would commit ourselves to battle in prayer for our church, for our families, for our friends, for our towns. For each of us, I believe God wants us to recognize that we can each battle in prayer. We each have a part to play. Prayer is our tool. Turn to the person next to you and say, your tool in battle is prayer. Your tool in battle is prayer. Friends, it's true. Your tool in battle is prayer. How do you fight the battle for your unsaved child, your unsaved friend, your unsaved workmate? It's in prayer. How do you fight the battle for being fruitful in your life? It's in prayer. How do you fight the battle for the state of our nation? It's in prayer. How do you fight the battle for the state of our town and or our church? It's in prayer. It comes when we wrestle with God in prayer. When we get down on our knees and humble ourselves and say, Lord, we need you. We're desperate for you. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, verse uh, verse 10 to 20. And I would encourage you this week to go home and read the full passage and meditate on it. Think through these verses. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Then he lists some really important weapons and then wraps up the weapons by saying this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. How do we pray in the Spirit? Three things then. Firstly, humble hearts. Daniel humbled himself before God. It means we come knowing that God can do what he would like to do. He's the one who's good, not us. (laughs) He can speak into every area of our lives. We come with humble hearts like, Lord, come and speak. Come and speak any area. I'm open. Any part of me, I'm open. I need you. Open ears, secondly. Daniel came to gain understanding of God. He came to listen, to hear what God was doing and wanting to do, to understand God's ways. He came ready to hear that he might then act. 
We need to come with ears open to what God wants to speak to us, what the Spirit wants to do in us and through us. Thirdly, with an open mouth, Daniel's words were heard. He spoke out, he prayed, he brought actual words to God. Did he get his words muddled up? Probably. He probably got his words all muddled up and in a mess sometimes. Did he struggle to know what to pray? Probably, because he's probably like us. But he opened his mouth to pray. He played his part in the battle. He started praying. He committed himself to it. And you might ask the question, well, why does God want to use us to pray? Why does he want us to pray instead of just letting him act? Why doesn't he just act? Why does he want to use us in prayer? After all, he's the powerful one, and he's the one that we're praying to to act. Well, firstly, he wants to take us on a journey. We see the destination as the main point. God sees the journey as the main point. A friend of mine told me a number of years ago that he would, uh, he's got teenage, well, doesn't anymore, but had teenage sons, and um, he would regularly take them out for lifts. He would say, if you're going to a party or you're going to a gig or something like tell me when you're going, when you need picking up, I will take you and pick you up. They could have got on their bikes and gone somewhere. They could have got lifts elsewhere. He was determined to take them. Why? Because he was interested in the journey, in the time that he spent with his sons during that time. This is precious time, he'd say. This is time where I get to hear about what they're up to, what's going on. It was just precious time. He loved the journey. Friends, God loves the journey. Secondly, God wants us to use prayer because he's interested in our character. God wants to shape us along the way. It's why sometimes he delays in answering our prayers. Because he's interested in growing our character first. In making us all that he wants us to be so that then we can receive the answer to prayer. He's teaching us, molding our hearts. He's teaching us through whatever we're experiencing right now. Thirdly, because God's always about sharing what he has with us. His creation, his power, his authority, right from the Garden of Eden, God wants us to share in all that he has and extend his kingdom with him. He wants us to work alongside him. We battle through prayer. Thirdly then, the king of glory. As we realize that we're in a spiritual battle and as we begin to play our part by praying, God's wanting us to lean on him and recognize that as we read in Psalm 24 at the beginning, he is the king of glory. Daniel has this amazing encounter with this heavenly being. In verse 5 to 6, he says, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphas around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Daniel is overawed in the presence of this heavenly being, just in the presence of a heavenly being. Imagine what it would be like before God himself. He's just one who only reflects just a glimpse of the power, majesty, and might of the living God himself. Meeting just an angel causes Daniel to tremble, fall to the ground in fear and awe. 
And as I read these verses, I felt God provoke me in a great way. And I felt like he wants to do the same for us as a church. I felt God say to me, how flippant are you about meeting with me? How flippant are we about meeting with God? How quickly do we put Jesus as our mate rather than king and majestic and powerful? Yes, he is our friend. Yes, he wants to draw near as close as a friend. But he's so much more too. Daniel needed to be strengthened multiple times just to stand and receive God's revelation for him. There was something the heavenly being was doing to prepare Daniel to receive God's revelation. He wanted him to be standing. There was something proactive and he was set in a posture to receive, hear and respond. Can I bring a grace-filled challenge to us this morning? Is that all right? Are you ready? I've noticed since I've started coming here that whenever we gather on Sundays or midweek meetings to worship together, we can be quite quick to sit down. Now, before you hear me wrong, keep listening. If someone starts to pray out or if uh, someone starts to prophesy, we can be quick to sit down. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with sitting down, okay? You hear me right? You got me? Nothing wrong with sitting down. What's the posture of our heart? What, what are we expecting when someone prays out? What are we expecting God to do in us when someone prophesies? There's something where this angelic being, he's, he's getting Daniel ready in a way to receive. When I sit down, I can often just kind of, my whole body kind of relaxes and disengages a little bit. When I'm standing, there's something of a proactiveness I want to receive from God. This isn't about just about the body, okay? Please make sure that you hear me. This is about something of a heart saying, God, I want to receive from you. I want to receive. What you've got for me, I want to receive. You can do that sitting down. You really can. But what's our posture of our heart? I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. What this person's about to prophesy, Lord, if you've got something for me, I want to hear it because I want to be changed and made more like your son, Jesus. When that person's praying out for the blessing of all us, God, I want to get alongside and say, yes, amen. Come and do what you want to do amongst us, Lord God. There's something of Daniel's body was being prepared, but his heart was being prepared as well. What's our posture of our heart like? Are we expecting God to speak to us? Are we expecting God to act? Now, I get that. We we can sometimes be very tired. I get that there are circumstances. We can be sick. People need to sit down. Please, if you need to sit down, please sit down. This this isn't about that. This is... Let's come expectant. What does God want to do with us? Are we making sure we prepare well to enjoy the presence of the King of Glory? Are we resting well to give our best to Him? I'm going to say this again. Please let me be very clear. This is not about outward appearance. It really isn't. Nathan's teaching me I need to pretend and perform. No, um, please. 
That is not what I'm saying. There's something that happens when we push through the physical battle. As we spoke about earlier about fasting, we spiritually grow and strengthen. As we decide to praise God with even more of the strength of our body, our heart, mind, body, soul, as we posture our body and hearts in a way to receive and act on what God says, we'll grow in faith. We'll grow in spiritual muscle. We'll be ready to not only hear all that God has for us in any situation on any day, but we'll also act with his strength. It's like the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. He's, he's telling himself, I don't feel like it's something. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, everything. He's kind of almost working himself up a little bit. That it's just like, because I know that it then overflows actually into my soul. As my body is put forward first, my soul catches on. My spirit catches on fire. I'm expectant that the Lord wants to speak to me, change me, and use me today. Daniel's encounter with this heavenly being causes him to tremble, causes him to fall to the floor, causes him to be speechless. Friends, we have an awesome, magnificent, holy, mighty God. A glorious saviour who wants to speak to us each day at home, in the workplace, with our families, with our friends, here on a Sunday when we gather together. He wants to get involved in the spiritual battles going on all around us. Who wants to use us, old and young. Remember whose battle we're fighting in. Remember our glorious God who holds all the power and glory and strength A God who is completely other, holy, and yet made approachable, knowable because of the work of Jesus on the cross. The God who treasures, treasures each of us. Who sent Jesus to be our sacrifice in our place because of his holiness and great love for us. Let's stand. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Friends, that's us now because of Jesus. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Father God, we are gathered here.
to lift your name up. God, it's, it's all about you. God, this is all about you. You are mighty. You are strong. You are holy. You are awesome. You are completely other. Lord, you're so beyond our understanding. You're the king of glory, Lord God. And Lord, we realize that many of us are in battles, Lord. There's many battles going on around us, Lord, in our, in our lives, in our town, in this nation, Lord God. And we say, God, teach us to pray. God, teach us to fall on our knees, to pray to you, Lord God. Teach us to, to lift our hands and, and, and gain strength from you, Lord God. Teach us, Lord God, to rely on you, Lord God. Teach us to draw nearer and nearer to you, not to do things in our own strength, but God, to rely on you, the mighty one, the strong one, the one who fights our battles. Oh, God. We need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. We need you as a church, Lord God. We need your power. We need your strength, Lord God. We, Lord, we want to see this, this town reach for you. We want to see the, the lips of people in the shops and everywhere we go, Lord God, praising your name, Lord God. You're worthy of that praise, Lord God. And so we say, Lord, do it through us. Change this town through us, Lord God. Change our neighborhoods and our families through us, Lord God. Use us, Lord God. We're desperate for more of you. King Jesus, the King of glory. Mighty one. Oh, hail King Jesus. Oh, hail Emmanuel. King of kings, Lord of lords, bright morning star, and throughout eternity I'll sing your praises, and I'll worship with you throughout eternity. And oh, hail King Jesus, oh, hail Emmanuel, King of kings, Lord of lords, bright morning and throughout eternity I'll sing Him praises and I'll reign with you throughout eternity we love you Lord we love you, Lord. Thank you for your words, Lord. We thank you for all that you want to reveal to us. Say, so go with us, Lord, in everything that we've got going on this week. We need you, Lord. We want to be reliant on you. We need your spirit. Come and strengthen us, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish there.
I just want to encourage, if you're battling through something right now, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to stand with you. We'd love to put into action what we've just been talking about. Actually, our battle, we battle through prayer. That's the tool that we have for this battle. Bless you. Hope you have a fantastic week. And uh, we'll see you soon.